I don't know if I'm emotionally prepared for this. <laughs> what? What going on today, huh? Yeah. Woof. I th- I feel like you're always emotionally prepared for cameras, though. It's just a part of who you are. It's who yeah. you are inside. I have to I have to shift gears though. I gotta gotta align myself with with the camera gear. Yep. But here's the secret, Lucas. Show has already started. Yeah. What's in the show is in the show. <laughs> What's in the show is in the show. I have I have camera gear in my backpack right here. Well, that's that's always true too. Yeah. So what, not, what do you have in your backpack? Well, I was gonna see if you could guess. Oh well. What's in my bag, Daniel? <laughs> well, you've got your you got your brevet. Mm-hmm. So the answer is something less than everything you own. Yes. Because you don't Cor- have the Peak Design bag. Correct. <laughs> I'm betting. So that's like a light lightweight setup for you. Uh huh. And. I know you went to an animal shelter earlier. Maybe, uh-huh. maybe you were like, I'm going to take a picture while I'm there. You never know. All right. I think you have the X-T3, the 16 mil, and the 56. V- very good, Daniel. <laughs> Except I have the X-H2S. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> but I definitely have the 16 and the 56. Do you need to check real quick and make sure that 16 still in the bag? No. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> well, now I'm worried about it. <laughs> okay. Pre-show thing here uh, before before we actually start, even though I think we may have actually already started. Oh, yeah. No, I was not kidding. We've already started. <sighs> we went on a trip recently, and uh, my mother-in-law and nephew watched the house for us. And I made sure to sign out of my YouTube account that on the TV. Move. Yeah. But somehow they accidentally signed in to my wife's YouTube account. <laughs> and... She was like flipping through. She was looking for a video about like dog training or something that she wanted to show me. And she was looking through her history. <laughs> Before we left, her nephew was like, oh, yeah. And like, well, well, my mom's not letting me watch YouTube or something. But since since she's not here, I can watch YouTube. And we were like, <laughs> is that how that works? Hold up. You mean you're not supposed to be watching YouTube right now? And he's like, never mind. <laughs> he would definitely watch youtube but like he watched so much youtube she like she like deleted i think 20 or 30 videos from her history that wasn't even half of it wow she was just like scroll 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 he watched like hundreds of youtube videos I mean, in the course kind of, of like three or four days what kind of videos are we talking about right so i was asking him, like what kind of stuff do you watch on youtube and that sort of thing he watches these like crazy videos. We're like, what if we took this house and we filled it with bouncy balls? Or like, what if I jumped into this giant pool of jello? Or like, what if I built a Minecraft, but it was made out of actual mines? I don't <laughs> know. It was just like some, like the most just insane over the top. Like, what if I did this crazy thing for 40 hours? Basically like Mr. Beast videos, yep. but geared towards seven-year-olds. Interesting. And just hours and hours <laughs> and hours of it. Ooh, I don't, yeah. I don't, kids these days, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When we were working on our recent music video, I was looking at the multicam where we, for this one, we had a total of like 15 multicam shots. And so I have a four by four grid of all these videos. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as, as I'm going through editing it, I'm basically watching all those little videos play and deciding like which one I want to take. And I had a moment where I looked at that and I was like, 
I think this is how Gen Z consumes content. <laughs> Don't even cut it. Just put yeah. all 16 angles put in. put that in there. Like, make it like those old TikTok videos where it has like subway surfers on the bottom for uh, some reason. Yeah. Yeah, just, <laughs> just, just make this more overwhelming for people. I know. Why, why have one video on the screen when you can have more than one? Exactly. Just got to just get like all that, all that stimulation just into your eyeballs. Yes. Which is why we're on an audio medium right now. Exactly. But like, I really like tech YouTube. I watch a lot of tech YouTube. Mm-hmm. I, don't, like, I don't watch nearly as much as, you know, like seven year old YouTube. And I was thinking, man, like that's where the money is. Like, why am I not making things where like, look at this Lego, Lego fortress that I built out of, out of like a billion Legos yeah. or like, this is an actual monster truck that drives, but it's built out of Legos and I'm going to crush something with it. That could be your life. You could be filling houses with bouncy balls right now. I don't know why I'm not. I don't either. It's just like, what's the most over the top thing I could do and then do it. Yes. But like market it towards seven year olds. Yes. Welcome back to the Camera Gear Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Lucas. And we're here today to talk about the gear, software, and techniques we use to shoot photos and video. All right, Lucas, what kind of camera gear are we talking about today? Actually, I was thinking that we come off topic here, Daniel, and let's not talk about camera gear. Let's just talk about something else today. I, I don't think we could do that. <laughs> Our show has a name, and un- <laughs> unfortunately, we have uh, really pigeonholed ourselves here. Oh, jeez. Oh, well, man. I don't know what to do then. (laughs) (laughs) All these notes I prepared, they're useless. Is DJI a camera company? I don't even know. I mean, they had the DJI Ronin 4D. That's that's a camera. That counts as a camera. Yeah. But like most of their, they're almost like they're a gimbal company or like a a stabilization company. Yeah, but I mean, they they make other stuff too. Make the DJI mic. Uh, I guess they make audio gear. I, I I feel like they're a... They are a consumer electronics company. Yeah. Okay. Well, they came out with a new drone and the new Osmo 4. Yep. Like this week or last yeah, week or I, something. I didn't even know the Osmo 4 was coming. Yeah. And then just these, these videos drop new camera. The Osmo 3 wasn't even that old. Was it not? I, I figured it was like last year. I think it's older than the Hero 11 Pro whatever. Yeah, which which came out like last September. Yeah. But... It's not, I don't know, maybe it's like a year old. Yeah. I think that these, these cameras seem like they're on like a one-year cadence. Yeah. Anyway, all that came out, and I guess it's not necessarily last week based upon like the air date of this episode, but, yeah. you know, recently. recently. So yeah. I think I think we need to like do a deep dive on that, but I'm not ready for it, Daniel. Yeah. So maybe we do like a little teaser here, kind yeah. of kind of hit on some of these and, mm-hmm. then, and then move on. Yeah. I saw, I saw that one video from Potato Jet. And the thing that I really picked up from that video is that his friend Sam and I have the same Hawaiian shirt. That's very important. Yeah, that yeah, is. <laughs> but I don't know much besides that. Speaking of shirts, I'm not wearing one right now because it is still shirtless summer. I know some people forgot. I just want to make sure that they don't forget we are still in shirtless summer. Thanks for the reminder. Yep. <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about the Osmo a little bit first. Uh, looks like the biggest improvement on this thing, bigger sensor. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. And it, it seems significant. I mean, Potato Jet's video was, he really focused on low light and it seemed a lot better than the previous one. Oh, for sure. It's it's way less noisy, way like a lot less like high ISO mm-hmm. kind of where it, things get a little crunchy or the shutter speed's too slow and that sort of thing. 
it looked significantly better yeah. in low light. And that's it's coming off a, a one over one point three inch sensor, which is like maybe like a thirty percent size. I can't do the math there because the previous one was a half inch sensor, right? Uh, or one the, inch. Yeah, I'm not sure which. To yeah. be honest. It's like just under one inch or something. I could look it up, but I'm not going to. No. We're we're doing a little teaser here. So yeah, exactly. Can't get into specs. Can't get into it. But Daniel, do you know how big an iPhone 14 Pro main camera sensor is? I don't know. Tell me. One over one point nine. Interesting. Yeah, it's all it's like seventy percent larger huh. than this. That's probably bad math. No, it, that that's not how that works. One over one point three is a bigger number than one over. 1. Oh 9. no! Wait, you're right. No crap. I'm bad at math. Yeah, just cut all that out, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> nope, no, nope, that's getting left oh, in. Oh, jeez. I mean, just look at it. Look how small this camera is on this phone. There's, that's a tiny little sensor. I remember the iPhone being like the same size as a GoPro or roughly. I guess 1.3 is, 1 over 1.3 is bigger than 1 over 1.9. Yeah, sure is. Mm, but it has better footage, Daniel. Yeah. I guess the iPhone 14 is still shooting at 60 and then doing that down sample to yeah, 30. Like yeah. it's doing its, its yeah. two image compression. It, you know, it really felt to me watching that, like, I, I think this was a smart move on their part. I think that these action cameras are all starting to deviate a little bit into different niches. Oh, I even got the spec wrong. It's 1 over 1.28. Oh. So it is slightly bigger or basically the same size. Yeah. Okay. Boosh. Nice. Take that. I, I feel like... To, you know, now that you've rudely interrupted me, I feel like <laughs> when these first started, you know, GoPro was kind of the, the big name that started it. And then DJI came out with the Osmo Action that was like pretty similar. And Insta360 has some cameras that are pretty similar to the GoPro. And it always felt to me like those cameras just didn't quite measure up to the GoPro in terms of image quality and stabilization. For a while, GoPro was, was really the best. And I kind of still think that's the case. I feel like if you want like the best image quality just all around, it's still probably GoPro. But what I'm appreciating is that it feels like now some of these other action cameras have kind of just like chosen to go in a slightly different direction, feel a slightly different niche in the market. And so we end up with products that are better suited to different cases. So like I just got that Insta360 Go 3. That feels fundamentally different from a GoPro in some important ways. And like, like, I felt like it was a better choice for what I wanted. And I'm glad it wasn't just, like, a GoPro clone that was very similar, you know, with, like, tiny little differences. It's a very different camera. And I feel like this Osmo Action 4 is kind of the same way, where they, they decided, let's make a bigger sensor. Let's optimize for low light. And, I mean, they compared it to, in the Potato Jet video, he compared it to the GoPro at night. And the image was much better. And so it felt to me like, Maybe if I'm in well-lit conditions, maybe the GoPro is still better. I mean, I haven't looked thoroughly at comparisons, but if what I was wanting to do was film in the dark, it seems like maybe this Osmo Action 4 would be the right choice. And it's cool now that like I can make that decision as a consumer. Yeah, I think that you're not really getting too pigeonholed into a camera system whenever you buy an action cam. It's not like you now have to buy lenses that have a certain mount type or that sort of thing. I think the main thing is the Osmo has this interesting like magnetic clamp mount, whereas the GoPro has their mounting system. But I think even in some cases, those are, you know, you can buy like third party stuff that works for both. Basically. I know on the Insta360, it's the same way where they have the magnet, 
magnet deal, but you can get an adapter that works with most GoPro accessories. Right, and you're not really spending so much money on accessories that it's it's too much of a problem. And whenever the Insta360 Go came out, I was immediately enamored with that camera and like what you could do with it and how cool it was. And the Osmo 4 came out, Osmo Action 4, because I think the Osmo 4 is a, is a gimbal. Yep. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever, I don't care. And I thought that was a very strange and that like i don't didn't really seem to care about this one that came out and i think it's because like that d that gopro form factor of you know here's a box with a thing on the front and it's got a screen like we know what that's for and how to use it i think that the insta 360 go 3 has a different like sell for it and that it's so much smaller you can break it out it's a wider field of view and it's it's completely different yeah use case and so you can now get you know, different types of shots that you couldn't really get with a GoPro and you can't really get with an Osmo Action 4. Yeah, I agree. That's why I was interested in it. It offers something unique and the Osmo is, is not as different from a GoPro. Right. So I think that, you know, when it comes down to, you know, what are you comparing and like what, like if you're shopping for an action cam and you just need something that is the base cam type, not something different, not like a 360 camera. Uh, I mean, you're looking at the Osmo Action 4, you're looking at a GoPro Hero 11 Black and Hero 11 Pro Black? No, I Hero, think it's just Hero, Hero 11. 11. It's just Hero 11. Okay, cool. And I think the, like the main difference there is, you know, I, I watched a few videos, the image quality is similar enough. You maybe have like more sharpening and noise reduction control on the Osmo, but like they're, they're basically comparable. It's just that the Osmo is going to be way better in low light, but not as good as your phone, if you have a, like a really good, if you have a good phone. Uh, and then the GoPro is going to be better if you have a lot of different formats you're trying to shoot in or if you need better horizon lock and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Because the GoPro has that taller sensor. It's like 8 by 11 or something. Right. And so you can shoot you can shoot once and you can get like a vertical or a horizontal or a square and like cut it in post. And the, ho- the horizon lock works like full 360. Whereas on the Action 4, you can get maybe like... 30, 45 degree tilt and have the horizon lock work, but you can't do a full rotation like you yeah. can with the GoPro. And so I think that the GoPro is probably going to have maybe like better stabilization or better post adjustment ability. And the Osmo is just going to be maybe better image quality straight out the box because of the the sharpness settings and the low light and the special low light reduction mode and all that sort of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's almost like, They have just kind of different strengths and you have to decide like what am I shooting and where do I need those strengths to be? Because like the battery life is basically the same. The durability is basically the same. The size is basically the same. It's just kind of, you know, which ones which ones meet your need. Mm -hmm. I think maybe there's a little more benefit for the DJI and that it integrates with their systems. Like I think maybe there's some tie into those DJI mics. I think the onboard mic is maybe similar to those DJI Labs because I was watching someone's video where they were using it onboard the whole time and it was surprisingly good. Yeah, yeah. The audio doesn't sound bad until you get into wind. Sure. It seemed like the one problem was that you couldn't really put a windscreen on it. Yeah, I think you just get some double-sided tape and slap a slap a fuzzy on there. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. So it's it's. I think it's interesting. Yeah. We'll have to, have to kind of do a deeper dive into it. But Yeah, uh, you know. I mean, I, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you where it's like, it's cool, but yeah. it just it doesn't it doesn't capture my imagination the way the Go Three did, and like honestly, I hate to say this, but I feel like I'd still just get a GoPro. I probably would also still just get a GoPro. The low light on an action cam isn't a need for me, and the 
extra abilities you get out of the sensor and the GoPro are far more appealing. Yeah. I don't know. For what I'm shooting. Yeah. But, you know, maybe we need to do another race shoot and uh, get a DJI uh, action Osmo so. 4 just, yep. just to try it out. Yeah, maybe so. so tie it to the bottom of a car again. <laughs> anyway, other things you can use when shooting race cars is a drone. Indeed. Such as the new Mavic Air 3. Man, that was that was a professional segue. You really are a Daniel, professional I've been podcaster. Doing this, I've been doing this for a while. Yeah, you have. And uh, I just try really hard. That's the main <laughs> thing. You know, I, I want to I thank my family. I want to thank all the camera gear that just exists for me to be able to do this. And just, I really appreciate uh, everyone who helps me, you know, train for these segues. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's really, it's really the audience. Right. Um, it's, it's all the listeners that they, that have got me here. So. <laughs> all right. I don't want to talk too much about the air three this time, because I feel like at least I haven't had too much time to look into it. And I don't want to talk about it, you know, every week on this show, but I guess like, Let's just do a pulse check. I mean, like, do you think it's exciting? Are you interested in it? What do you think about it? I think two cameras is better than one camera on a drone. I mean, two cameras is better than one camera all the time, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. That checks yeah, out. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I thought about it. hundred percent. Two cameras is twice as good as one camera. Yes. So 10 points for that. I think the main camera is worse than the Air 2S, it seems like a, a step back or just not really better. So they're going to lose five points for that. I couldn't tell if it was a big jump in battery life. I don't even remember what the specs were for it. Yeah, I haven't so, had time to look into like, it. Cool. If I was going to go out and buy a drone right now and I didn't need a lot of like power to overcome wind, I would buy the Mini Pro because it's under 250 grams and I can fly it wherever I want to. Yeah. Sort, I, sort I, of. That's kind of my thought on it. I think it, it looks like it's got some cool upgrades that I do want to dig into more. Uh, like generally I'm, I'm interested in the idea of a more of a telephoto camera on a drone. I think that's potentially cool, but I think the challenge they have right now is that the mini pro three is very good. And then on the top end, they've got the Mavic three and the Mavic three pro, which are, you know, expensive, but, but better than this air three. And I think it leaves the air three in a kind of an awkward spot. I mean, I think that the air three is the one that most people will buy interesting if they think that the well that's smart but not sure most people are going to buy the the mini i think that yeah i think the mini pro 3 is the that's the, the, consumer, that's the level, con- like, consumer choice yeah. but if you're trying to like get into drone stuff and you don't want to go all the way to a mavic and especially not a mavic pro then it's like it's like a thousand dollars more mm-hmm. I and mean, if your budget is 1200 bucks or around around there I mean, the Air is basically what you're going to buy. It's going to have you know better flight time, better f- flyability, more sensors. It's just it's a more capable drone than the Mini. So yeah. much so that like it justifies it for a lot of different flying and shooting type things. And now they add this extra extra sensor that you can you know shoot longer, extra lens, I guess. So I think that the I think the Air is kind of not in a weird spot. I think it's in the sweet spot okay. as far as what most people would probably want if they're trying to get good footage but are on a budget. Interesting. It's a shame the prices of this stuff's gone up. I mean, I, I have an Air 2S and I feel like I paid like maybe 1100 for the Fly More combo. Yep. And they've definitely gotten more expensive than that. Yeah, I think that the Mavic 3 is... 
I think it's like 1800 bucks without the fly more. Now that's the Mavic three is above the air three. Correct. Yeah. So that's like the next, the next mm-hmm. step up. What, what is the air three priced at? Air three starts at $1,100, but you have to get the fly more because, and then oh, and you get it with the DJ RC two. I would absolutely do that. Having the controller with the screen on it. Oh man. Yeah. That controller, or I don't know if it works on yours, but that works on my Air 2S. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've been tempted a few times. It's like sometimes you just need to turn the drone on and wipe your card. And like, I like to format my memory cards in the camera I'm going to shoot on rather than like just deleting everything off of the computer. I'd rather format it and kind of reset sure. it to zero. Yep. And it's like, okay, I got to like pull the drone out. I got to undo the propellers. And then I got to put my phone into the thing and then turn this on and then turn that on and then get into the app and then find the settings and then don't accidentally take off inside my house. And now I'm going to format my car. It's exhausting. And I feel like I could reduce two steps if I could just do it with a screen on the controller. I mean, I wasn't even thinking about that. I'm just thinking about flying normally. And, you know, it. you described all these steps. That the, Those steps are the same if you're going to take off. And I'm like, I don't want to have to pull my phone out and like fumble with this little cable and plug it in and make sure the app is launched, make sure my my uh, orientation lock on my phone is off so it can go into landscape mode. Like all oh, that's annoying. I just want to pull out the controller and power it on. When your phone starts to overheat and then the screen dims and then now you can't yeah. see halfway through a flight. Yep. Yeah, all so, that stuff. So You know, they used to have that $1,000 version, like the DJI Pro controller or smart controller mm-hmm. or something. And I, they may still make that, but I'm really glad they released this uh rc2 or whatever whatever this new thing's called the, the controller's like 300 bucks and yeah i mean i i think that is worth it and if i was getting a fly more kit i would probably get the one with that controller yeah so it's it's 200 premium to get that controller yeah but, so the mavic pro 3 is geez the fly more combo is three thousand dollars yeah that's and the mavic 3 classic is 1600 and then whenever if you do the RC package with the controller, it's eighteen hundred. Yeah, those are all high. Yep. And then you said the Air Three is like starts at eleven hundred, but with the Fly More, it's probably what thirteen hundred, thirteen fifty, or fifteen fifty yeah. with the controller. I mean, even the lower end one, man, thirteen fifty is a lot more than I paid when I got my two S. Yeah, mine was less than a thousand. Yeah. I think it was like eight or nine hundred dollars so for the I, two. I mean, I, that's why I think the Mini Pro Three is the one that a lot of people are going to get because I think it it hits around that thousand mark, maybe a little less. Yeah, I think the Mini Pro 3 is pretty comparable to, like, it's it's comparable to the Air 2 and the Air 2S in that I think that the Air, the Air 2, the one that I have, has that quad bear sensor in it. And so mm-hmm. you can shoot, like, 48 megapixel stills. I don't think you can do that in the Mini Pro, but I think it has a more similar sensor to what's in the Air 2S but it doesn't have the like high speed performance capabilities of the Air 2S because yeah. it's like it's a smaller drone. Yep. So it's like kind of like weirdly in the middle. Yeah. But it does feel like a decent compromise mm-hmm. if your budget is a thousand dollars. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like we weren't looking and they just kinda bumped all the prices of the stuff up a little bit. I mean, just one by one. They all they all just kinda went up. And yeah. like, I get it. You know, it gets more expensive. There's a lot of technology in these things. Sure. But also they are becoming less and less interesting i feel like drones are a known commodity at this point yeah and yeah like they fly and they're cool not to understand drones are super cool but i don't know like they're not getting substantially better in image technology anymore it seems it really reminds me of uh smartphones where first few years it was like every year was this huge upgrade you felt really behind you know by the the time you got to like the two-year mark and upgrade your phone it's like man this new one's so much better 
and now it's just slowed down and it's not that the new ones aren't better they are better but you know you can you can have a smartphone or a drone that's three years old or four years old and it still feels capable still feels pretty good so yeah it's just kind of it's evolving now rather than being like a revolution every time yeah and it's like once you get over maybe like a 30 minute flight time i just can't i can't imagine flying for like an hour kind of thing yeah even even depending on what you're shooting, like maybe some people need that. But mm. the Air 2 and the Air 2S were like 30 minutes. And I can regularly, you're not going to fly for 31 minutes uh, and then like have it fall out of the sky. You're going to fly for 20 or 25 minutes. Right. And I rarely will fly and be like, man, I'm running out of battery. Now I've got to come back and put another battery in there. I think I've done that a handful of times. Yeah. The new Air 3 is a 46-minute flight time on yeah. one battery. I mean, I guess you can... You know, not take a charger with you on a trip or take fewer batteries. Maybe that's good. I mean, it's hard to ever complain about having more battery life. But, yeah, I I almost want them to optimize for something else. I guess it makes it so you can get two or three flights out of a battery. That's what I'm thinking. Versus one or two. Like, it it gives you, like, one more flight. Yeah. But I think I don't think the mini is much different. I think that one's 34-minute flight time. Mm -hmm. So, it's like... They're all they're all good, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think like once we got over that thirty minute hump, and the cameras are like good enough, the like the original Mavic, just like if you took picture like took a shot of trees, just the the compression in the video yeah. made the trees look insane. Yeah, it's like a blurry mess. Yeah, it was, it was awful. Like that's been fixed. You know, like you get good enough data rates. Like you, I think the newest one, like you can't really still can't shoot in like log log, but they get better, flatter profiles and. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels like it's it's slowed down. I agree. And I I, I feel like it's because there's not any competition. What's the what's that other brand? Ap- Aptus or something? There's, there's Autel. Autel, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know I don't know what they've got going on right now. I mean, there's a couple others. There's uh, Skydio. They make those AI ones. Oh, those are that, fun. That uh, you know, can follow you around and stuff. But yeah, I mean, if we're being honest, there's not a whole lot of competition for stuff that's as good as DJI. I mean, the, the apps are good. The drone hardware is solid. I mean, they make great stuff, but I, I kind of agree there needs to be a little bit more competition. Yeah, that's kind of the main thing. I, I would, what I want to see that I know we won't, you know, won't get, but I want something like an Inspire where it's got an interchangeable lens camera and like really prioritizes the camera, but that doesn't cost $15,000. Like if they could come out with something for 2500 bucks that, you know, had some like had a micro four thirds sensor or something and like yeah. had some sort of interchangeable lens. I would buy that. I would be okay with that, even if it wasn't interchangeable, but maybe it had like two or three zoom options. I can't yeah. imagine like having a, a, a par focal zoom or something on a drone. I know you could do it, but that sounds crazy complex or heavy. But like, even if it was, you know, you got you have three different focal lengths that you can shoot from, and but you're shooting at like micro four thirds. Yeah. Because it's like, I want something that I can use in videos and have the footage, you know, look good with the stuff that we shoot from the ground. But, I mean, I'm, I'm not at the point where I can justify buying an Inspire 3. And so, I wish there was some cheaper option there and it'd be cool to see that. Yeah. So, Autel basically has a competitor for every single thing that DJI has. I'm looking at the Evo Nano Plus, which is like a couple hundred dollars cheaper. And it's got a... Uh, one over 1.28 sensor. So basically an iPhone sensor. That's kind of like the thing with all of these things. It's like 
these Sony sensors that are like just just around one over one point three inches, and like you, know, you stick them in everything: phones, yeah. action cams, drones, and like we're all just living in this phone quality <laughs> video <laughs> world. Yeah, I don't know. I want bigger sensors, Daniel. Yeah. Well, um, not on my camera. Just to be clear, I'm yeah, perf- APS-C is the I'm right perf- choice. Perfectly happy with Super Thirty Five, the true full frame. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and save additional drone discussion for next week. I want to have some time to look into this Air Three a little bit more and yeah. understand some of the specs, and then maybe you know, and maybe we can dive in a little bit more and compare it to what we have now and kind of see what we think. Yeah, sorry, I, did, I didn't mean to go that deep. I just kind yeah. of wanted to flash that these things were out, and then we can we can talk about yeah. them later. But yeah, we, we a, can't help ourselves, right? <laughs> it's, it's hard not to. <laughs> it's a slippery slope. Yeah, it sure is. Starting. I mean, well, uh, yeah, whatever. Speaking of DJI. Indeed. Speaking of DJI. They they betrayed you. They did. And I do feel betrayed. Yeah. You uh, got a knife in the back. Pretty up pretty upset and uh not not really sure what to do with my life now. I mean people people told you that this could happen. They said these things aren't professional gear and they're not reliable. I think I think I've heard people refer to them as toys. I actually yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can confirm. So okay, backstory here. We've talked about the DJI mic on the show, which is their little wireless lav mic system. I purchased it last year. We've been using it for shoots since then. We've used it on several shoots, and it's I feel been like great. we've shot used it on maybe like eight or more shoots. Yeah, yeah, more than that. It's we've used it quite a bit, yep. and nothing but praise for that thing thus far. Yeah. It's been just rainbows and unicorns. Yeah, yeah it's it's been solid. You know, the audio quality is good. They're easy to use. It's been great. Have we ever used the audio off of the DJI mic itself? We have, but like in a limited capacity. So I think we used it some for some B-roll once. Where That's we, right. We wanted, yep. we wanted some natural sound from the B-roll, and so we pulled the audio off and used that, but but very limited amount. And it's always kind of just been like a, a backup, you know, like safety net. Yeah, so say we're going to shoot an interview. We laugh the person. The lav on the, the mic, the DJI mic lav itself is recording. Mm-hmm. The transmitter is recording to the camera, so the camera has the main audio. And then we also set up completely separately a shotgun mic onto a Zoom like H4 or something. Yeah. As like this is our triple backup audio because mm-hmm. we we don't want to have to get this person out here again. Yeah. We have to get this. Yeah. So here's what happened. We shot an interview last week. And we set up the audio in the way you just described. And I noticed, so so when we do these interviews, typically one of us will be sitting there interviewing the person and the other will be monitoring all the gear. So I was watching the cameras and I had headphones on to listen to the headphone output from the mic. And I noticed close to the beginning that I was kind of hearing some like garbled audio and just like some, it sounded like breakup, you know, like it just wasn't, it wasn't getting a good signal from the transmitter. And so probably too much radio interference in that that's building. What it seems like, yeah. Cause it was in a, we, we have not filmed an interview in that specific location before. So I don't know, but that was happening. It seemed kind of weird. I made sure that the transmitter was recording and then I checked to make sure the other thing was recording. We just went on and, you know, we kind of thought, well, you know, it's it's not great, but like we do have the onboard recording on the lab, so we'll just use that and things will be fine. If you have talent, 
and they're you know, like that's doing a thing and like they're like geared like people get nervous when they're on cameras like mm-hmm. they're geared up they're ready to go if you're like hey guys actually we have to stop we're gonna pull the mic we're gonna put a different recorder on you and like all this stuff it just it takes everybody out of it and it's like if you can afford not to do it you know we wanted to avoid doing that and especially you know we're not dealing with professional talent you know like this yep. was a this was a person that we're interviewing it's not like an actor or something mm-hmm. so it would have been so disruptive for him yeah. if we had tried it. Like, okay, we're going to swap transmitters. We need to test the mic. Can you hang out for 10 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And so, I first off, to address that initial problem, when I looked at the receiver, I it shows you the signal strength of the transmitter, and I could see the bars on that signal strength you know, periodically going down almost to zero. And so like, I'm, I'm pretty confident that there was just like a communications issue between the two things. And that right. was the, the first, you know, or main problem. But- you know, we thought, sure, we've got the soundboard recording. We'll just do that. And then when we went to pull it in to resolve to actually start doing the edit, we discovered that that onboard recording didn't line up with what we recorded from the cameras. Yeah. And we were like, oh, this is probably just like a standard drift issue. You know, the sample rate's different. Maybe one's in 48 instead of 41,000 hertz mm-hmm. or something like that. You can just... You can just rate stretch it. You can and, figure out where we start, where we end. We'll do a quick rate stretch. It'll be fine. Yeah, and and Resolve has tools for doing that. It's pretty easy to do. The problem is I could do that, and I could get it so that the beginning of it sounded in sync and the end sounded in sync, but then I would check random spots in the middle, and they would not be in sync. Yep. It's doing some sort of variable time sampling or yep. something on that local recorder. Like, what the heck? Yeah, it's worse than that. Um I looked at the, I, I I went through this file very carefully to try and pull good parts of it to to fix this problem, which I'll go into more in a second. But there's actually a spot or two in there where the onboard recording like missed a word. It's it's not just like the you know timing was a little different. It was like he said a word and that word is not on the onboard recording. What? So it's it's pretty unreliable. That's that's like super not good. Yeah, exactly. And the audio sounds pretty similar to, you know, what we got into the camera. And, you know, we were in the situation where we needed to use this audio. My, my first thought was, I'm just going to, like, this is going to take me two hours, but I'm just going to take all that audio from the onboard recorder and chop it up into little bits and line it up with the video, you know, and make that work. And I ended up not doing that. I'm glad I didn't because... Seeing as the onboard recording missed some words, it wouldn't have worked, right? Like we wouldn't have had the, the data. Like it's, it, that, that would not have functioned. But what I realized was, you know, most of the wireless audio was good. It, it generally sounded fine. There was a couple of spots where it got bad. And so I thought, I'll just go find those spots. And in those sections, I'll cut out the audio that was recorded wirelessly into the camera. And I'll replace those short little sections with the onboard recording. And that mostly worked. I was able to match up the sound pretty well. Like, that's pretty much fine. Um, but man, what what an annoying process that was. Yeah, and obviously, you know, we're recording this backup audio on the lav. Why not just use the lav? And there was some background noise on that that we just couldn't really you mean, get. You mean the, uh, the shotgun? Yeah, the shotgun. Some stuff that we couldn't eliminate out of that. And so having the mic that's closer, the DJI still sounded better. Um, I think next time I'm going to boom that a lot closer, like it's kind of the A-roll audio, mm-hmm. just so that it, it truly is a completely usable Yeah, we, we've gotten lazy with that 
shotgun mic. Well, I we, think we, it's we don't put much effort into making that one sound good. It's a matter of comfort. I think that if we boomed over top with the shotgun and someone walks in and they're like, here's your chair, here's the boom, here's the light, here's the camera, and there's two of them, and that's a lot for a person. Yeah. Especially if they're not used to this sort of thing. And so by taking that mic out, I think it helps kind of give them maybe a little more level of comfort. Mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of like, this is our third level backup because we have the onboard audio. We have the the on DJI lap audio. And so like, this is a third level. And then I'm also recording on like a you know, a road video mic on the camera yeah. just for scratch. But yeah. so like we have four different audio recordings going just in case, but it is frustrating that like our third level backup wasn't as good enough yeah. as it needed to be. Yep. Yeah. And, and so I did some research into this to try and figure out what's going on with this. And some people said that, so this, this issue has been reported by others and I saw two possible fixes. One is that there's a firmware update that came out at the beginning of this year and the, release notes for that firmware update don't mention this issue, but some people have said that installing that update fixes this problem. So that's one possibility. I I do not currently have that update installed on my mic. Well, that's because you don't update firmware, right, Daniel? I what, don't update firmware. Would you, what, what did you update your XH2S to right before our shoot? I updated on? from 1.02 to 5.01. Oh, jeez. What an golly. update. So the reason I don't update firmware is if something's working for me and if I'm not having problems with it, a firmware update is just as likely to break something as it is to make it better. It's, and, I, I wish it wasn't like that. Yeah, but it is that way. And in this case, I didn't know this was a problem, you know? And so I I didn't, you know, if I had known this was an issue, I would have been watching the firmware updates like a hawk and I would have installed them as soon as it happened. And, you know, but anyway, some people say that that fixes it. Other people say that they've contacted DJI support and DJI, G, DJI support completely replaced the transmitter and then they say that fixed the problem so it's like what's the deal with that is there like a hardware problem with these or does it just so happen that you know they needed the new firmware and the replacement one had the firmware on it i don't know but those are kind of two possibilities it seems like the wireless issue or the with the wireless breakup is also something that people talk about as being a known thing and it seems like the reason for that is that these dji mics use 2.4 gigahertz which is the same as wi-fi same as you know same as a lot of like video transmission systems stuff like that so it's like a very crowded band and people say that like that just makes this sort of issue more likely whereas a lot of professional gear uses something more in like the 500 megahertz range that is a lot less susceptible to interference and so that's probably why the original problem happened i feel like if even you update the firmware and it fixes it or you contact DJI, they replace the transmitter. I, I can't, you can't trust it anymore. I, I know that it's like you get, you, know, you got to give people second chances, and we're all fallible. But when it comes to camera gear that you're using for like for like this is the work, and I have this has to get got the first time, and I need to be able to count on this 100 percent at one time. That's it. It's done. I I, I can't imagine trusting this thing on on the next interview shoot. Like, well, I'm going to, we're going to make sure that the backup body was extra good. And I'm even of the mind, they're like, let's bring another shotgun and do a double shotgun yeah. just in case. That's kind of how I feel. I mean, I, I, I still think the DJI mics are good for certain uses. And if I'm out filming a vlog or something, or, you know, if we're just doing something casually for fun, I mean, I might be inclined to trust it then. Cause I think about that a lot with these interviews where, sure. If it's just me recording a video, you know, I used to do YouTube, you make YouTube videos sometimes, like 
if I mess something up, then I'm not going to be happy about it, but I can go film it again. Right. That's not a big deal. But that's not the case with this stuff where, you know, we're, we're bringing it, someone else is giving us their time and volunteering to, you know, be featured in a video and we just, we can't redo it. No, when, when there's like people's time or money on the line, rented gear, anything like that. Yeah. I mean, that's why you buy pro gear. That's why you spend the extra money to get the things that are pro level and that's why they cost more is because they mm-hmm. have to be 100% reliable. I agree. And I, I maybe, you know, I probably put my faith in the wrong thing here. I thought that we had that with mm-hmm. this DJI mic. It had been, it had been good for every single, I mean, we've done a dozen of these things at least. It's like, it should be good. Yeah. And we felt like we could trust it. And then just, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I've seen all these, all these people talking about how like, it's basically just a toy and like not for professional work. And, I when I see comments like that, I'm usually skeptical, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I usually I usually think, you know, just because you pay more money doesn't mean you get a better product and all right. that. But I can't argue with our experience and I'm kind of I'm seeing what they're talking about. Yeah, like it gives a little bit of credit to that. It's like sure, I mean there's probably a nicer way to say it and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's if it's not a hundred percent, it it you don't want to rely on it for Yeah for things that have to be that way. And that's why it's like, this isn't pro gear. Mm-hmm. It's probably good for most of the things you're going to use it for. But yeah, man. So what, do, what do you think we should do about this? I, uh, mm, I think mm, I've considered buying one of these things and now I'm not going to buy one of these things, but maybe there's an alternate solution. That's maybe more of a pro option that we can look into being able to lab somebody is the right choice for these interviews. Yeah, it really I think is. that getting that mic that close to the source helps isolate a lot of the background noise, mm-hmm. especially when you run it through audio processing with like the RX tool and, and DaVinci Resolve. I think that the shotgun just straight up sounds better. And maybe we start switching over to that for the A-roll audio instead of, you know, and then use the lab as the backup. Yeah. And I think we could do that as a like maybe that's the choice it's like we keep using the dji and now we do one or two shotguns as our as our primary audio which can make adds extra work in the back end because now we have to sync the audio mm-hmm. and make sure all the, the the sampling rates and everything match perfectly so it's a little annoying but i don't know i mean the other option is like we we find something else i mean like yeah. go look at what dd or sure makes mm-hmm. and see if there's anything else that is that works and it's better and more reliable yeah i've looked at a couple of those options um Deity is coming out. They've just just released or about to release their new system. They announced this at NAB, and it's coming out September 15th. It's called the Deity Theos. That thing seemed great. That was the one that everyone tried to get footage of, but no one could actually find their booth. And Yep, yep. But uh, the big selling point is 32-bit float. Yeah, so it, it, it can record onboard uh, 32-bit float, so no clipping. Um I mean, it's a wireless system. It's in that 500 megahertz range, so should be less interference. And, you know, you get a, a receiver and a transmitter and, you know, and it does all that stuff. Supports the other, time code. Yeah. So <laughs> the the other cool thing about it is that it does support their time code system. But it jams so. time code, doesn't it? Or is it just support time code? So they, they make their little time code boxes that you can get to plug into cameras or whatever other gear. Uh-huh. And this thing can wirelessly sync time code with those boxes. Okay. So like oh. if, if you and me both had one of those time code boxes on our camera, then that time code box would feed time code into our camera that would get recorded onto the audio track. And then it would wirelessly sync to this thing so that 
all that audio is perfectly in sync. Sell me on it, Daniel. How how much would this cost if we got if we got jammers and wait, does X and S two S supports jamming? Yeah, you can you can feed timecode into it. Yeah. So if we if we got some some jammers and we got some some of these D one of these deity things mm-hmm. and all and the whole whole line yards, how much how much are we in? Too much. <laughs> so the <laughs> the uh I, I will say this deity Theos thing is cheaper than I thought it's going to be because I looked at it and I said that's going to be a thousand dollars, and if you if you just want one receiver and one transmitter, it's only seven forty. So okay, you know that's three quarters of what I thought it was going to be. They do sell a kit that has two transmitters, and one receiver for about eleven hundred. So you know that's that's where you get into that price range, but it's about seven forty. I think the time code boxes are, I want to say they're one sixty each. So. For you and me to, to get all that stuff, it would be like seven forty plus three twenty. So what is that? Ten sixty. So, so okay, so less than eleven hundred dollars. That's yeah. that's not as bad as I thought, Daniel. Yeah. Uh, we, I just like, I'm the, I'm like, if this happened one more time, I'm like throw money at it. We're I mean, we just gotta do something else. I'm kind of there now. Like I, I don't want to rely on the DJI mic, and I'd rather not have to set up all these different shotguns and stuff and. I don't know. I I think there's a reason this pro level gear exists. And is the Deity Theos pro level gear? It seems like it is. It's got the spectrum. It's got all that stuff. It doesn't say Theos Pro on it, Daniel. <laughs> How am I supposed to know it's pro gear? It's a good question. You see, Apple, when they make products, they will put the word pro behind it so you know that it's for professional use. <laughs> I can't argue with that. Yeah, <laughs> you're exactly right. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that is the thing, right? It's a, it's a new product. It's not yet, you know, you can't say that it's proven um, because nobody's really used it yet. But Deity does seem like they make professional level gear. It seems like they know what they're doing. The specs on this thing line up with what you would expect to see in terms of like the wireless transmission system it uses. It supports time code and people have been using their time code stuff and like it. So, I mean, I don't know. I just can't imagine it would have the same sorts of issues. I feel like we could get the single transmitter receiver for now if I we like, needed one right away. It's still not out yet. Like we don't know when this September, September 15th. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And what's nice is that you can buy additional transmitters later. So if you wanted to get the full thing later, you can. And it doesn't, you know, you don't pay that much extra. You can get a three pack of Deity TC1 timecode generators for 550. Yep. That's so expensive. It is. Okay, so... So that's one option. I'll just quickly mention. There's also this Sony UWP thing that people talk about. That's a wireless system. It's a little bit cheaper. I think it's $600 for one receiver and one transmitter. They also have this cool little thing that uh, has an XLR port on one end and plugs into the bottom of a microphone. So if you have something like an SM58, you can like plug this little wireless thing into it and do like, you know, man on the street interviews, like that style thing, or to like boom a shotgun mic, you can just plug this little thing in the bottom. That system looks pretty cool. Okay, okay. The one thing I don't know about it though is I don't know if it supports onboard recording. And a lot of these professional systems don't support that. That's one thing that makes this Deity Theos one unique. And I'm pretty into that. Like I like the idea of having local onboard recording. So I, I don't know if the Sony one supports that or not. And like the killer feature for the DD is obviously that it's 32 bit float. Mm-hmm. And no, you don't have that on any live microphone right now that I'm aware of. Yeah. 
Maybe some like super professional not, stuff. Not right? not wireless ones. Not wireless. But it's you, not transmitting thirty two flip bit float wirelessly. Right. That's only on the device. That's right. Yeah. But like to clarify that statement though, I mean like Zoom makes a recorder called the F two. It is a body pack. Like it is a lav mic body pack, but it doesn't transmit wirelessly. And right. that is thirty two bit float. So if what you want to do is put a lav mic on somebody and record for thirty two bit float, there are other products that can do that. But if you want both to where you do wireless and local recording and have that be 32-bit float, I think this Deity Theos may be the only one. So that would obviously be the cheapest solution for us. You can get a Zoom F2 for 180 bucks, And that's like, maybe that's worth it for, you know, the next shoot kind of thing. It could be. But my, my problem with that is like, for one thing, if the wireless audio works, it saves you a lot of, a lot of work because you don't have to sync this extra file afterward. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is that I really like being able to monitor that audio during the shoot because like sometimes I don't notice if the person's talking and they hit their chest or something. But if I have headphones on and I'm listening to that audio, I can hear it and I can see that spike and I can know we need to fix something. So I, I really like it for the monitor. Being able to monitor is huge. But then also being able to remotely enable recording mm-hmm. is super helpful. You don't have to like walk over to the person and make sure that's pressed and it's on. Yep. You have visual feedback on your camera. I've hit record and it's recording and, yeah. and you know that it's going. Exactly. So I don't know what that looks like on the Thanos. No, that's not what it's called. But yeah. I don't know. Yep. Seems good. Uh, it's just not out yet, Daniel. Yeah. I f- yeah. I got about another month to wait. You have the same. AT-75R, whatever. The shotgun. Shotgun that I have, right? Audio Technica. Which I feel like that's like the best bang for the buck shotgun if you're trying to come in under $500. It was like $160, $170, and it sounds really good. Yeah, it sounds good. It sounds like a $300 to $500 shotgun mic. It doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like a $1,000 shotgun mic. But you have one of those, and you have the Zoom H5. Yes. And I feel like... Maybe we put both of those on the same boom pole and we record two audio tracks on boom as our like, you know, audio and backup audio. And like maybe we can level them differently. We can set one at a higher gain and one at a lower gain. That way you're getting that dual recording because I don't think that the zoom will do the dual Yours might. I think mine does, but yours does not. Yeah. And so I think that that would give us enough redundancy if yeah. we set that up like it's the right shot, you know, within whatever, 12 inches of the person's mouth, right overhead, blah, blah, blah. And then we also record with the DJI again. And then just, we're not trusting the DJI, but we're using it. And we know that it's there as like a, a backup. Yeah. I think that's an option. Um, I think that it, gets us through like the next number that we need to do until mm-hmm. this Deity product comes out. Because I feel like the Deity... Thanos, Theos, Thanos is, it's like that much better yeah. as far as like being able to get that 32 bit float on board. And it's, it's, you know, the lower, lower spectrum and blah, 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 blah. It feels like it's a step forward in this type of product. And I would, I would really love to wait for that to come out. Yeah. And potentially being able to add in time code later. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But here's the question. We do need to move towards a time code pro- thing. I agree. Here, here's the question. That thing is comes out September 15th. A lot of people are excited about these. Do we pre-order it? I feel like DD should just send us one and we can record an entire podcast on it. I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just it's like if they're if they're up for it, I'm up for it. That's all on. I'm saying. So maybe we ask the question. <laughs>
see where it goes. Doesn't hurt. I don't know. Like I could see pre-ordering this thing, but I also kind of want to see a review on it. I feel like a lot of people are going to, especially Gerald, are going to want to do some sort of review on this thing. Yeah, I'm just, man, I, what I always worry with this stuff is like, am I going to have to wait six months to get it? I think that, I think that realistically our use for this is going to go away until early next year. Yeah. And so I think that we, we finish out our current project list and that we work on getting this at the end of the year. Maybe that's an off off podcast discussion, I, yeah. but yeah, hey, it's coming, right? We're gonna we're gonna probably have to get some of these. Yeah, you know, I think that's uh, that's kind of how the stuff goes. I mean, you start off doing projects like this with the gear you have. Yep, and you and me have done videos as hobby, you know, as a hobby thing for the past couple of years, and really, it's like this year that we've started getting into doing paid work and yeah. bigger projects, taking things more seriously, and you know, it, 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 we've seen this with other things too. I feel like we're just over time, like you start to find the limitations of the gear you have and sometimes you've got to upgrade. I mean, you know, eventually if you're getting paid for stuff, you can't justify using lower end products. Things like a mic that you can absolutely rely on and time code is, would be pretty huge for some of our upcoming projects late mm-hmm. this year and early next year. And it's just, I can't, it's not glamorous. I would much rather buy another lens or something else, but boy, it would make our work life a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, I I just yesterday bought a new softbox. Yeah. And that's not something that I get excited about, you know, buying a, buying a softbox. Like, I'm like, cool. Like, I already own a softbox. Why am I getting another one? And the whole reason is that the one I have is not one of those quick pop-up ones and super annoying to set up and tear down and... I realize like some of these shoots we're doing, we get other people to help us set up gear and I, you know, I don't want them to have to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. We do this so much. It's like, I need something that's more efficient to set up. That's not a fun thing to buy, No, but sometimes that's what you, you know, it's worth investing in projects that you're getting paid for. And it's worth buying better gear. If it gives you a better result or a better experience using the gear. Right. Yeah. If it's saving you time, if it's more reliable then that, that's where you, that's where you put your extra money in order to make those things work better for you. Yeah. I feel like I get excited about soft boxes. I was pretty pumped when I bought that globe lantern thing. That was pretty I haven't, cool. Haven't had to use that on a second shoot yet, but yeah. uh, I really, really want to <laughs> <laughs> super neat. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta tell you a secret. I told you I bought a softbox. Uh-huh. I definitely bought two softboxes. Oh yeah. I, I did you cur- buy the same one twice, or did you no, get a different so size? I, I, I currently own a 36 inch and a 48 inch, and they're both the stupid style that you have to assemble every time. Yeah, get those out of here. And I, you know, I was looking at these softboxes, and I at first bought a 48 inch one and i got a better brand i got one that's made by like angler or something Mm -hmm. Um, because you have a godox one you have a couple of uh annoyances with it and so i was like i'm gonna try a a higher end one like let's just let's just see if it's better so let me like let me let me kind of recap just for just for listeners as far as what like what we're talking about here the type that you have and i have a small 24 inch that is similar where you have that bow and ring and then in order to assemble your light box there as a whole and around holes around the ring. Yep. And you take these spokes for the softbox itself and you insert them into the hole all the way around. Yeah, they're like, they, they look like bicycle spokes and they're like flexible. Right. And then they umbrella out and then there's sockets at the end of the softbox itself where you, you slide in the ends. Mm-hmm. And 
it's just really annoying because you have to like put in the spokes for every single one and hopefully yeah. they don't slide off the end and all this stuff. Yep. So those are the kinds that you have. Mm-hmm. The one that I have, it hinges where those spokes would normally be on the Bowen mount rather than be like insert types. Yeah. And then there's like a center rod with a clip, like an umbrella. And you do, do have the problem where the box itself will slide off the ends, but you can reach into the back of it and then pull down the slide on the rod and pop it open. Yeah. And that is a lot quicker and easier. My main problem with that is that whenever I open and close it, the ends will slip off. And so I do have to take the time to reset the ends mm-hmm. on every like third time I open it. And that's pretty annoying. Yeah. Yeah. You described to me how to open yours and you're like, you've got to pull it out of the bag and make sure you hold tension on this part to keep the things from popping out and then do this, that, and the other. And I'm like, this is easier than mine, but that still seems annoying. Yeah. And then also now you have a rod through the middle, which is right on the center of your light. And like, yeah. sure, you're kind of dispersing light anyway. Maybe that doesn't impact anything, but the kind that you got doesn't have a center rod. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't exactly know how well this thing's going to work. I mean, I've heard good things about it, but basically the spokes are attached to that center Bowen ring and they have hinges and somehow it's like you just press down on the ring and they somehow like lock open in the position they need to be in. Mm-hmm. And so there's no obstruction between the light, like the, you know, the bulb on your light and the front of the softbox. And so theoretically, like it gives you at least more maximum power, mm-hmm. you know, which I mean, who knows, maybe. you know, maybe need that. But, um, I was just curious to see, you know, if you, if you get, get more for what you pay for. And I mean, I didn't even get the most expensive thing. So well, sure. The or, one, I mean, the are one, they as much as those light domes? No. Yeah. So the one you got, you got yours for like $40. Yep. The one I got was $140. Okay. The aperture light domes, which they just came out with the light dome three, that seems like it works in a very similar way. Yep. That's like $220 at least. And so, oh, yeah. you know, I, I, I think it's probably very good. I, I've been really impressed with aperture stuff, but that's a lot of money. And I'm, yeah, I'm curious what the break even is on these where like I'm, I wasn't sure if I should spend as much as I did on mine, but I was like, I just want to see what happens if I spend an extra $100 on a softbox. And so that's going to be really interesting for us to check out and see. But then I also wonder like, well, what if you spend $200 on a softbox? Is I, you know, like, like, is it better in what ways? So I don't know. I am curious, like how, like how these things hold up. I feel like the Godox that I have has been relatively durable, Mm -hmm. but I do, I don't, it does. It doesn't hold up super, super well. Some of like those pin slots are starting to seams are starting to rip and that sort of thing. Yeah. The the diffusion material, the Velcro on the end of it, has already separated mm-hmm. in some locations, and so I probably need to replace the diffusion material. And I get that, like you know, you can probably just you can just buy diffusion material of a certain you know diameter, and you can get good diffusion material that's not going to like cause you color cast and that sort of thing. I assume that one of the benefits of the you know the light dome is that it's neutral diffusion material and yeah. that sort of stuff but yeah. i don't know maybe like it just holds up a little better better stitching you know maybe faster opening i'm yeah. looking at this light dome three and it seems to have a different opening system even than from the one that you were looking at yeah it has like this all the all the uh rods are in the ring but the ring folds in half interesting and then you kind of reach in and unfold yeah. the, the ring and it pops it open yeah so all these different styles of these things. And yeah, you just kind of wonder like, do you get what you paid for? You know? And I don't know. It's, we'll see. It's funny in that it's basically a glorified umbrella with a, with a, you know, fabric over it. And there's so many different versions of how these things assemble. And I feel like there's not, 
Like where's the where's like the forum or the YouTube channel that's only about soft boxes? It's super hard to find information on this stuff. That's what's so frustrating mm-hmm. about it. I mean, you you end up scrolling through pages and pages of results on B&H and trying to like look at these tiny little product pictures and try and mm-hmm. like reason out like how does this thing open, you know, and it it seems like for something that's such an important part of a lot of videography, it's really hard to find good information. And when you look on YouTube, a lot of times what you see is YouTubers who have gotten the light dome either because they just throw money at the problem or because Aperture sent it to them, which, you know, no no shame in that. I mean, yeah, you know, sure. I like don't if have you're a problem with that, but like it makes it hard for people like you and me to to really reason out like, is that light dome really worth it? Or are they just using what they have because they happen to have that gear? Yeah, I man, I really wish that there was more of a like productions would you could find for productions what they used. And I don't think that all that's, you know, super well documented, but like if you could watch a documentary or something and they're like, and by the way, here's the gear that we use. Yeah. That'd be great. Well, yeah. you know, that's not easily findable online mm-hmm. and it's just it's tough. That's yeah. tough. I, I think it's I think it's up to us, man. I think that we we've got to be the softbox people and that's it. Yep. Know. Actually this is the last episode of the Camera Gear Podcast. I uh, <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, please subscribe to our softbox YouTube channel <laughs> called uh the Softbox Cast. Uh, where we uh, talk for an hour every week about softboxes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we're going to get plenty of subscribers yep, for that. So we'll see you over there on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the uh, preliminary episode of the Softbox Cast. Yeah. Backdoor pilot, I think they call it. <laughs> yeah, this is. <laughs> so, real quick, I mentioned that I bought two softboxes. So I bought that one 48 inch one. Mm-hmm. And then while I was looking, you know, and I told you that I, I own a 48 and a 36 inch one currently, and they're both the bad style that I don't right. like. So I bought that 48 inch one i was like well like do i always want 48 or do i want to like do i want a 36 you know sometimes and i think sometimes you want like a 60 inch at, they, they sell one i'm just saying at, as i better. as i was looking though i found a used one that i think is the same softbox you have it's a 36 inch yours is a 48 but right um i found a 36 inch godox one that opens like the umbrella used on b&h for like 26 dollars worth it and i saw 26 dollars and was like why not? Yeah, I'll, just, I'll yeah. just throw that one in the cart too. That's what I'm saying. So uh, I end up getting both. I'm gonna get. I'm just gonna get rid of the other two I have and have quick opening soft boxes for all the things. I feel like the soft boxes are great and they're nice and they're easy. I kind of would like to move towards um, what is it, what's it called when you do like the like you shoot backwards and then you bounce off. It's like a book something. A book light. Maybe? A book light. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to try to move towards something like that for where we're trying to get really good soft light is to do like a scrim or something Mm -hmm. and then kind of rig out a book light. I guess that's maybe a lot harder if it's not a studio. It's just a lot of rigging, you know, like we, we did that some when we shot the, uh, the TV show pilot, right? We did some lighting with a scrim, but you know, you just need more grip gear. You need more time to set it up. It just depends on the situation. I mean, when we talk about these quick open soft boxes, that's you and me showing up in a place that, Maybe we haven't been to we before. Have 30 it's, to 45 minutes to set up and, and then and we're going to shoot. And it's just you and me doing yep. it. We yep. we need stuff that we can pop open quickly and go. And I think the softbox is the right choice for that. Right. There's. I mean, that's a lot of like corporate shoots, maybe lighter music videos, mm-hmm. things that we're, you know, we're going to be here if we have four hours to like rig this, shoot it and get out. Yeah. But, you know, for bigger productions, mm-hmm. if we're doing like a really like highly produced series or... 
you know, you're setting up a permanent studio space. Sure. I definitely think there are better forms of lighting. Man, uh, Gerald Undone did the uh, studio tour for MKBHD. <laughs> did you watch that? I did. Man, yeah. they had those rooms where like, yeah, up there we got uh, six 300Ds. <laughs> <laughs> like all this scrimboard. Yeah. Did you did you see the other one he did with uh, Linus Tech Tips? Yeah. That one was cool, too. That was very cool. Which was the one where they had the, the two scrims that were motorized that like went opposite directions to that, open up? That was line is tech tips oh my yeah. gosh that was crazy yeah was was some of that what gave you the thought that like yeah yeah i was like man i really i feel like i need a book light instead yeah because there's they're they're smaller like as far as depth wise you don't mm-hmm. take up as much space but you can get the you can get softer light and a smaller footprint it'd be cool to, to you know try out yeah the more but like the more diffusion the more like bounce that you do i mean that bounce probably cuts your light in half yeah you need more you, powerful yeah. lights i mean we have the i have the 150 vl which mm-hmm. has gone up a hundred dollars in value since i bought it <laughs> you gotta sell that thing man <laughs> i know i'm like well yeah i bought this thing on, on sale for like 240 and i went to like look it up recently and like use their 360 or something wow it's ridiculous that's funny i guess like they don't you can't get them anymore mm-hmm. and like the big thing about the light that i have is that you know under say like 40 percent doesn't even run the fan it's yeah. super super quiet it's got a really decent cri and it's 150 it's 150 mm-hmm. uh, watts or yeah you know, yeah it's a good light yeah anyways diffusion yep i don't know yeah well we'll see i'll uh i'll report back on those soft boxes gonna be using them uh in the next week so should i i ordered them they'll be here monday and i'll get to use them and we'll see if they work any better all right well let's use them for this podcast next time and then uh we can we can see if it, if it helps the lighting yeah yeah that's a good plan for our uh, <laughs> yeah. audio only podcast yep. here <laughs> all right well i think we have uh just about talk people's ears off today daniel we haven't even gotten to the main topic i know <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's right here <laughs> i know it is but the main topic's gonna have to wait okay fine we'll push it yeah all right Jeez. definitely a lot more to talk about next time <laughs> yeah geez so much for like <laughs> oh we'll run through these first two in like 20 minutes and then we'll do this is gonna have to turn into one of those two-hour shows daniel i know that's what know. the people want it is what the people want isn't it I don't know. Write in if you want these shows to be <laughs> yeah, longer. Please let us know. Do you want a two-hour camera podcast? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, can't, I feel like no. <laughs> but also maybe yes. I don't know. All right. Let's call it. All right. That's it for the show today. Thanks for joining us. And if you liked it, tell a friend so they can check it out too. You can find out more about the show at www.cameragearpodcast.com. And you can find us on Twitter at Camera Gear Pod. We'll be back with more next week.